0: Uh, honor you for having a, a special emphasis on your college and career. Uh, what a beautiful heart that is to recognize, not that uh, they're the church of tomorrow, but they're the church right now. If I can encourage you a little bit, it wasn't but about four years ago or so, uh, that in our church in Tacoa. It was a vacuum. The 20-somethings and 30-somethings was literally a vacuum. There was just very few that we had, teenagers and the youth. We had, (laughs) back then I was 40-some years, anyway, 42, 43, and uh, we had the 40s. When the 40s is the youngest in your church, you you know, you got issues. No offense to anybody who's 40 or above, I'm just saying the church has got issues. (laughs) So we said, you know, Lord, we want to fill the gap. We want to reach every generation. We want you to fill this house pe- with people that are young, people that are old, people with young that are young parents, and I see that in this place, and I'm honored that you have a focus on that. the um, The trend is to flex the church and to dilute the message so that we can uh, reach the next generation. And I come and here, I'm here to tell you that I don't drink that Kool-Aid, that you don't have to dilute the message or the gospel or the truth to reach any generation. And you can flex the way we do things. You can change some things, but the gospel message is the unadulterated truth of God's word, and it is the gospel that sets us free. Amen. If you will help me by standing for the reading of God's word, that would help me a lot. Jude chapter 1. I said Chapter One because there's only one chapter in Jude. How many knew that? Raise your hand. I knew that, preacher. Jude One. He's got it on the screen for you. Thank you, sir. I'm reading uh, out of the NIV, Jude, verse three and four. Dear friends, although I was eager to write to you about the salvation we share, Jude saying, "I want to write about salvation. I want to write about grace, but I feel compelled." that I must write and urge you to contend for the faith. Would you say contend for the faith? (laughs) Let's pretend like I'm talking to everybody. Would you say contend for the faith? Contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our Lord into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. Skip on down to verse 17. But dear friends, remember that what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold, they said to you, in the last time there would be scoffers who follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who will divide you, who follow mere natural instincts, and they don't have the spirit. But you, dear friends... Aren't you glad, he said, but you, and contrasted us. We're those who have the spirit, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained or corrupted by flesh. Let's pray together. Lord, in Jesus' name, I need your help tonight. I need your help to speak your truth. I need the anointing that makes preaching effective. I need the Holy Spirit to come and translate and transform these simple words into words of life from heaven. Lord, I pray that anything you don't want said would fall out of my memory. Anything you need spoken would come forcefully to my lips and that you would challenge us to be the church. You would challenge every child of God to contend for the faith and recognize the time we are living in. If there's ever an urgent moment for the church to rise up in the glory of all you are, this is that moment. May we feel the weight, may we hear your gospel message, and may we live it out today. In Jesus' name, everybody said in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You can be seated. If you have your Bible, you can leave it open to Jude. The Lord played a trick on me today and wanted me to have my outline straight from Jude instead of what I had prepared, so it's going to be a blast. Here we go. So you have the outline right there in Jude. First of all, Jude comes up and he says, I want to write about you, to you about salvation and I want to write to you about grace. I have this great message, an, up, uh, an uplifting and an encouraging message on the goodness of our salvation, but the Holy Spirit quickened him and he said, but I feel compelled to let you know we have to contend for the faith. We have to fight for what God has entrusted us with. This is the moment where our world is bringing an onslaught of evil and compromise, challenging everything the salvation gospel is in our lives. And he says, the reason we have to contend for it is there have been men who've secretly slipped in among us. It's not the world that's the problem, it's that the world has gotten into the church. There's not a problem with a boat being in the water, ladies and gentlemen. The problem is when the water gets in the boat. And Jude says, we've allowed something out there to creep in unaware, and they've slipped in among us. And that's why we have to contend for the faith. From the very beginning, God's plan was to have a people that he put his hand on, a people that would be distinguished from all other people in the world. His hand of favor, his hand of anointing, they would be blessed, they would be obviously different from everybody else, not because only of his blessing, but because of the way they lived life. That was his plan from the beginning. He planned to pull Abram out of the land of Ur of the Chaldees, and he wanted to give him a land flowing with milk and honey. Canaan, we know Canaan, the promised land. And he told Abram, you're going to bless the whole world. Through your seed, everybody's going to be blessed. You're the head, not the tail. I'm going to bless you, put my hand on you, so that whoever blesses you is blessed and whoever curses you is cursed. And that's why God help us as Americans. We need to stand with Israel still to this day. God's people, he says, if we bless them, we'll be blessed. His plan was to keep his hand on them and give them the best of the land. But he had a concern. The concern was, if I give them the land I promised them, there's Moabites living in that land. There's Canaanites living in, Hivites, Jebusites, all those other idiots. they're all living in the land. And if I give them the land, I don't have a problem with them being blessed by the land. My concern is when I give them the best and they get among the people that live in that land, will those people influence my people? Will the way they do life ooze into the souls of my people and infect them with worldliness and ungodliness? He was afraid that if he gave them the land, the immorality of their day would creep in and infect and pollute their souls. And he still has that concern today. Because the land we're living in, we can be blessed and anointed all we want to be, but we are living in a, an immoral society, an ungodly, anti-Jesus culture. We may be a little, a little insulated in rural South Carolina and rural Georgia, but, but not much. They're coming at us, and still God has the concern. He told them in Deuteronomy 7, I don't want you to intermarry with the Moabites, because if you get that close, you get that intimate, you start intermarrying, you you start walking with them, you're going to start living like them, and I'm going to lose your heart. And it's the same New Testament concept that Paul's telling the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 6, do not be unequally yoked together. That is not talking about race, it is not talking about socioeconomic class, it's talking about the core values of loving Jesus don't be unequally yoked together. People all the time drive me crazy. It's why I'm bald. Come up and say, hey, I found this guy who goes to church. What do you think? I, say, I don't care if he goes to church. Does he love the Lord? Is he full of the spirit? Is he Pentecostal? I, that's what I want to know because everybody out there can attend a church. They've slipped in among us. I want to know the heart of the man. I need to know the heart because if he's not on fire for Jesus without you, he won't be on fire for Jesus after you say, I do. And how can two walk together, brothers and sisters, unless they've agreed on the direction? How can light and darkness have fellowship? How can a son of God have fellowship with a daughter of Belial? It can't happen. That same concern all the way back when he's giving them Canaan is his concern today. How closely are we getting connected to our culture? Is it seeping into us and changing us? Our culture is jacked up. I thought I'd get an amen there. Maybe I should say it a different way. Our culture is messed up. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I Jack, messed. Messed up. There you go. We are in a hyper-tolerant situation world that will endure and tolerate any kind of lifestyle. Nauseating to see them going against God's word, God's truth of holiness. A few years ago when the Supreme Court passed the, uh, the law to, to legalize same-sex marriages and the White House lit up itself in rainbow colors celebrating a law that goes right against God's word. That's the culture we're living in. You're living in a hyper-tolerant culture to living any way you want to live. You can abort babies if you want to abort babies. You can can live together before marriage. You can party. You can do all that stuff and still be a child of God. That's what Jude said. They had sneaked into the church and they begin to change the grace of God for a license to do immorality. Have they got, oh, not only are they hyper-tolerant, they're hyper-intolerant to anybody who dares stand on this book right here. You can be any religion you want to be. You can follow Allah. You can be even a Scientologist. You can be Mormon, Jehovah's Witness. They're not coming after you nearly as bad as when you say, I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of the Living God. He's the way, the only way, the only truth, only. I. That's when you're marginalized. That's when you're pushing a corner. They're hyper intolerant toward anybody who says, you know what, I just don't think it's right for you to abort a baby. I believe the sanctity of life is there when the baby is conceived. You're pushing a corner and And they start saying, who are you to judge me? That's our society. And I'm warning you, if you didn't know, then here I am trying to be a prophet tonight saying it is here. They have slipped in the church. Three out of 10 Christians, not people, Christians, believe that when you pray to a God, it doesn't matter what name of God you pray to, we're all praying to the same God. Three out of 10 professing Christians, they're among us. 25% of professing Christians, they name the name Jesus. They sing the songs on the wall. 25% believe that truth is relative and dependent on what that individual believes himself. He can do what he wants to as long as he believes it's all right. Of Christians, believe that. Four out of 10 Christians I'm sorry, it's five out of 10. Christians believe that homosexuality should be accepted by a Christ, as a Christian lifestyle. Christians are believing this. Are y'all following this? Another five out of 10 believe that abortion should be legalized in all states. Christians, not the world, not the liberal media, people among us. How has this happened? you told us what happened because certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into a license for immorality and deny our only sovereign Lord in Jesus Christ. How did they slip in among us? What does that word mean, slip in among us? It means they didn't come in the way we came in. Is anybody in here truly saved tonight? That means you came by the cross. That means you visited the Calvary's hill and you knelt down and you died on that cross with Jesus and he washed you clean and he cleansed your soul so that you're a child of God. That's how we got in the body of Christ. But these people who have slipped in, they slipped in by presumption and not grace. Meaning they don't even know of the grace we sing about and we rejoice about. But they've slipped in and we haven't discerned that they're among us. And thereby they are in here and they're, they're becoming ordained in the ministry ordained ministers who don't even hold to what the word of God says and they're becoming uh, Sunday school teachers and leaders and we don't even know the difference because they're teaching a grace that is a cheap grace God help me (laughs) cheap grace that says you can do whatever you want to do because you have a license that grace says you can be forgiven anyway so just go ahead and do it grace is not a license to live any way you want to it is not a license for an unregenerated heart grace is the power of god that changes my heart and makes me new on the inside so that what i used to do i don't even want to do anymore i walk holy because he's made me holy grace has done a work here And I want to, uh, God, I'm going to be loving, Pastor. I thank you for the invite. I may never be coming back. But here, listen, I'm going to give it to you while I'm here. If you can sin easy... If you can go do that immorality easy, if you can leave the church easy, I question if you've got the grace that has touched most of us in this room. Because when I got grace, the Holy Spirit came up in here. He don't let me do what I want to do, what my flesh wants to do. He'll convict me and yank me back in line, break me down. That's what grace does. Here's what Titus said. Grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and teaches us to live a godly upright life grace is a life changer not a license you pull out saying see i can do whatever i want grace changes me on the inside these men are coming in and they're teaching that you can do whatever you want they've slipped in and they've robbed us of our identity and of our holiness and of our spirit They've slipped in and robbed us of our holiness because if you go by Barna statistics, you read some of these, I'm sure. They say you can line up the Christian people on one side and line up the people who don't even say they know Jesus, and we look the same. We're divorced the same rate. We view pornography at about the same rate. We gamble at about the same rate. We give at about the same rate. Where is the distinction? I'm I'm not mad. I'm trying to to preach God's word and and just tell you. But you know what? Here's what I've come to find out. The younger generation don't want some soft vanilla pablum uh, baby food gospel. They want to hear the truth because the truth is what sets us free. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They don't want to hear this soft, this soft a pseudo gospel that doesn't save. They want the truth to where God changes them from the inside out. You keep going down. In verse 17, he says, but dear brothers, remember what the apostles of Lord Jesus Christ foretold in the last days. There will be scoffers, people making fun. They're going to follow their own ungodly desires. These are people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts, and they do not have The Spirit. They don't have the Spirit, but we in the church, we have the Spirit living in us. Hopefully, we got a lot of Holy Spirit baptized people in here to where we're consumed by the Spirit of God. And that Spirit won't let us get comfortable in this world. I thought, I'd okay, at least the Tekoa people is gonna have to kick it up a notch. Y'all gotta help me preach here. Somebody, Or I go longer. If you don't help me preach, I just go longer. I'm just telling you that's the way it is. So more amens, shorter time, no amens, keep going until I think you got it. So there you go. There's your warning. That's your warning right there. The Holy Spirit, <laughs> see? It works, man. I'll take a fake amen. I don't care. Fake amens turn into good amens before it's over. The Holy Spirit won't let us be at home in this world. If this world feels at home to you, then something's up, something's missing. Every day we live in this society, there should be something in us that feels like we're wearing burlap sweaters. It's itchy, it's uncomfortable. There's something about this world that doesn't feel right because we don't belong to this world. We're in it, but we're not of it. Our, what, what did Paul say in Philippians chapter three? Uh, there's enemies of the cross out there. Their appetite is all flesh, but we are citizens of another country and we're waiting on a savior to come and get us and take us home to be with him. There's something in this world that doesn't feel right because when grace changed me, it changed my citizenship. I live here, but I don't belong here. My home is when I get on the other side and I see him face to face. (laughs) When we have the spirit, we know where home is. But here's people creeping in without the spirit. And here's what Jude said the solution is. He said, you, dear friends, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Don't just read by that. That means the Holy Spirit takes over, and he begins to pray for us, and he begins to pray through us. He prays in a language we don't understand. He prays with groanings and utterings we don't even know about. That's the Holy Spirit. And if you ask me, this is the distinction that's being let go of in the church to try to be more palatable? to the population at large. And when we're relegating the Holy Ghost to a classroom or to to an off night, you're asking for the anointing to leave the building. And it's the Spirit that breaks the yoke of bondage. And it's the Spirit that draws people to Christ. It's the Holy Spirit we need more active in the church today than ever, and not allow the people creeping in without the Spirit to divide us praying in the Holy Ghost, building up your most holy faith. Hallelujah. I, I made up my mind. I'll just be transparent. There was this past Easter, right? And we had, you know, all the three services trying to hold everybody. And, you know, that's when all the, all the people come out. You know how it is. Y'all, y'all packed it out a couple times here, right? And, People come out from the community and community leaders, oh, that's a business leader or whatever. Man, I got up there and I I just, I lost it. I I was even more excited than this. So if you think this is bad, I acted a fool up there on that stage for Jesus. I just wanted you to know. When I got home, I don't know if this ever happens to you, devil got in my head. What a fool you acted like there in front of all those community people. There you are trying to win this community. They think you an idiot beat me up for like a few days and finally I, th- I was getting out of the shower I think and you know I'm just weird but God talks to me in the shower every now and then anybody else no just, oh, oh a few few shower people you know he's with you there you may as well talk with him I said Lord I look like a fool I was over there spitting and sputtering and he's like he spoke to me he said since when is preaching supposed to make you look good anyway last time I checked, preaching was supposed to point people to me and make me look good. And I said, Lord, forgive me for even thinking what I was thinking. But I made up my mind right then. It will never come again when I try to push the anointing or the Holy Spirit outside the building. I don't care who's in the house, where they're from. Oh, Holy Spirit, visit us once again. Make yourself known to us because that's what the church needs to reach all people. And I'm finding that no generation's scared of the Holy Spirit as long as it's genuine. As long as it's not hype and put on and made up when it's genuine, they are drawn to it. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. Jesus knew his church needed the Spirit. As he's about to leave, he's going to uh, leave them and he's going to ascend. He starts telling them some pretty tough stuff. He says, this is not going to be easy. He says, the world's going to hate you because it hated me. Some pep talk, right? They're going to hate your guts. They're going to persecute you because they persecuted me. And then another scripture in Matthew, he said, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. That doesn't sound promising. Sheep among wolves. But thank God, before he left in Luke 24, he told them, here's what I want you to do. Go into Jerusalem. Wait in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. You've seen that I've been resurrected. You've seen me die on a cross. You see that I'm alive now. You see that I've been raised from the dead. That is the gospel. But you need something else before you do anything. Don't start a band. Don't open up a website. Don't start a church. Don't get a bus and go to a singing group. You need power from on high. And that little church, they took him at his word. Now, something that bothers me, just a hair. He told 500 people that. 500 people. How many, how many showed up and waited for the Holy Spirit? 120, I think somebody got it right. 120, does that not bother somebody? If Jesus told all of us, I mean, Jesus, not bald-headed meat, Jesus. If Jesus told all of us, go over there and wait, I'm going to give you the power of the Father. The Father promised, the Holy Spirit, you're going to receive. I mean, wouldn't you go? And I've got to do some study on that. Does that literally mean there's like a 75% of the body of Christ that's not hungry for the Holy Spirit? But there's 120 of them that took him at his word, and they said, if Jesus said, we're going to receive the promise, then we're going to go wait until we receive the promise don't know what that promise looks like, don't know what it feels like. He didn't tell us what would happen. They didn't even have the teachings of Paul to know what was going to happen. They were just waiting for power from on high. And they waited and they prayed and they were together. And when the day of Pentecost fully came, all of a sudden a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind filled that house where they were sitting. And cloven tongues of fire sat on each of them and they all began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance to do so. They were and they were empowered and filled from heaven so that God could anoint and empower his church. But watch this. It didn't stay in the upper room. It spilled out into the streets. Very quickly, everybody heard the commotion. Everybody came to see what was going on, and it spilled out into the streets until people were hearing the gospel in their own dialect. And they said, what is all this? And it gave Peter the platform to preach the gospel again. Jesus meant for this to be the moment we receive of the Holy Spirit, but it's not supposed to be contained in these walls. It's meant to go with us to the job tomorrow. It's meant to go with us in our neighborhoods. The Holy Spirit was meant to pour out. So that it's not just a preacher or a staff who's anointed to do ministry, but every child of God is empowered to go in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit's all about. Did it work? Did the Holy Spirit empower them and help them face the opposition of their culture? Their government didn't care about their faith. Does that sound familiar? Their culture was anti-Jesus. They thought Jesus was a a fanatic. What did the Holy Spirit enable them to do? Look at Acts chapter 2. After they were filled with the Holy Spirit, you remember Peter was scared, too scared to even admit he knew Jesus. Couldn't even face a teenage girl. No offense to teenage girls. Couldn't even face a teenage girl and say, yeah, I know him. Denied the Lord three times just a few days earlier, like 40, like a month and a half earlier, and yet he received the power of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter two, and the next thing we see him doing, when everybody, thousands of people are around trying to mock him, trying to say, these guys are drunk, what are these looney tunes doing? Peter stood up, that scared little coward Peter stood up, but this time is a little different, because he has been infused with boldness and the glory from heaven. And he said, these men are not drunk as you suppose, but this was what the prophet Joel prophesied about when he said, in the last days, I would pour out my spirit on all flesh. And he boldly looked at that crowd and said, this Jesus whom you crucified, is this the same guy? Yes, except he's anointed by the Holy Spirit. And before he could even finish preaching, they began to scream, what do you want us to do? Conviction was so strong, they interrupted him. Man, I pray for those sermons. It doesn't really happen much to me. But just don't even get, uh, tell me what to do, I'll do it. And he said, repent, be baptized every one of you, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And this promise is for you and your children, and those who are far off, and those who are in 2019. This promise is for all of us. Acts chapter four, they had healed a blind man. I mean, uh, uh, a beggar uh, in Acts chapter three. I think he was a, a paralytic or whatever. And he was, they were going to the, the, the temple and praying. And he said, alms, alms for the poor. And you remember the phrase, Peter said, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. That's what that church said. I'm afraid it flips on this church, not this one, but our church today. I think the church has silver and gold today, but what they don't have... Is the power from on high that gives people the power they need to be healed and to be whole? We need to be more hungry for power from on high than anything else in this world because that is what makes the church so powerful. In Acts chapter four, they were arrested for healing a man and they said, here's what they took note of. They, t- they said, do some research. Google up uh, Simon Peter and John. Google those guys and what does it say? Well, they don't have an education. They don't have higher education. They're unschooled, they're unlearned. They're just ordinary, plain boys. But they took note that they had been with Jesus Bruh, is anybody with me? I'm fine being ordinary in this world as long as I, as long as I have the boldness and the anointing from on high. That's what, that, that's what I want to set me apart. Not a degree, not a schooling, not a pedigree, not a, 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 a document, but that the Holy Spirit is moving in my life. Acts chapter five. This time they get, they get arrested for teaching in the name of Jesus. And they commanded them, You are not to teach in Jesus' name again. They had already told them, Well, you judge for yourself whether it's right for us to listen to you or listen to God, but as for us, we can't help but to talk about it. (laughs) We can't help but to tell you what we've seen and what we've heard. Can't help but talk about Jesus because we know He is who He says He is, and I know what He's done in my life. In Acts chapter 5, they told them, Stop teaching, and they grabbed them and beat them and flogged them black and blue. And then let them go. Don't teach anymore in Jesus' name. Beat them black and blue. Now, most Christians today, you know what that'd be, right? Sorry, guys, we got to shut the church down. Uh, They're beating us now. We can't, uh, we can't do that anymore. You know what these boys did? They went away Rejoicing. They were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. And, oh, don't miss this at the end of Acts 5. And they ceased not day and night doing what? Teaching about Jesus. You can't stop somebody who is filled with the Spirit from on high. And I'm challenging, I'm coming to a close. I'm challenging you. No matter who has crept in the body of Christ in America, without the Spirit perverting the grace of God for something it's not, challenging you to rise up and be hungry and available to be empowered by the Holy Spirit so that you can stand out among them so that we can have the gifts of the Spirit in operation again. Where is the New Testament church who lays hands on the sick and they shall recover? Where's that church? Because that church is the one who can shine light in dark places. That church is the church that can attract young people and 20-somethings and every generation because it's the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto all people. That was the next thing. You know, he was talking about praying in the Holy Spirit. What we need in church, not only that outpouring of the Spirit, we need a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Mark chapter 16 signs will follow them y'all remember that that believe not that preach that believe how many are here believers in jesus raise your hand signs will follow you where did we get into this i'm sick i've got an emergency let's call the pastor where did we get that where did we get, I got to call my Sunday school teacher, nothing about, nothing bad. You know, you call them when you can, but I'm just, where did we get, we have to get on Facebook and, and get all the attention saying, please pray for me. Uh, I'm going through a mess. Where did we get into that mode? When God has given us everything, <laughs> everything we need for life and godliness, he gave us when he sent us the spirit. <laughs> And he give us the boldness and the power and an anointing. So when we come across a sick person, we can look at them and say, I don't know much, but I know what God has given me. And I can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And we pray the prayer of faith. That's what the anointing does in the church. Do you, can you imagine the uh, impact of a church when we stop saying we're a Pentecostal church because it's on the sign, or we're a Pentecostal church because the preacher jumps around a little bit? What could happen if we're a Pentecostal church because we're filled with people who are full of the Holy Ghost and power? What would happen if that went down? That's the Pentecostal church. Huh. missing today i'm i'm sure your pastor does too i go to all the seminars and conferences and the the experts and all that i hear it all and i glean from it i get some stuff from it but when they start when they start programming the holy spirit out of their services streamlining it so there's no time for God to do anything outside of what they plan to do. You're missing the very thing that birthed the church. <laughs> we don't need another program. We don't need another book. We don't need another conference. I'm going to hurt somebody. We don't even need just another sermon. There's sermons out there dry and dead. God is nowhere near it. What we need, we need anointed, Holy Ghost-filled sermons and, and services and music and the liberty to let God do what he wants to do. This ain't a new thing. I feel like I'm, this ain't a new thing. What, what did the Apostle Paul say? I'm about to call the band up, but not quite. Just wanted you to know it's in my mind. The Apostle Paul, he said, for my speech, 1 Corinthians 2, 4, 5, I think, my speech and my preaching were not with enticing words of men's wisdom. I didn't come at you trying to impress you with my vocabulary. Didn't come at you trying to impress you with how eloquent I am or how great of an orcher I am. Paul said, I'm none of that. I didn't come at you with sweet speech and a silver tongue, but I came with a demonstration of the spirit and his power. Why was Paul driven to say I need the Spirit's power to give confirmation to what I'm saying? Because he said, because I don't want your faith to rest in men, but I want your faith to rest in God. And what we're building, God, Holy Ghost, help me right now. What we're building in our generation is people who are following pastors and super-duper preachers because they have it all. They're on the stage. They've got the limelight. They've got the following. They've got the one million Twitter followers, but they're following man. Paul says, I don't want that. I want when I come, I don't care if I stutter or if I fumble all over my words, but when I'm through, if the Holy Ghost can move and show himself mighty, that's what the Apostle Paul said he needed. And do you know what happened? The Holy Spirit confirmed the message every time Paul was giving it. All we need, church, is to be hungry for more of him, hungry for the Holy Spirit to move and do his thing. Ask the band to come up. We're gonna close with a song. There's great. There's there's great pressure on ministers and pastors to conform to this new new way of doing church. And I, this is way bigger than dress. I don't care if I've got jeans on. That's, who cares? This is way bigger than the stuff we used to hung up on. Somebody dressing this way or wearing that or this music or that. Come on, let's do something better than worry about that stuff. We have children going to hell right now unless the Holy Spirit arrests them. What we need is a church where it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. Just come out of jail. Just come off the streets. You're coming off a high. It doesn't matter what you've done, who you are. But we need a church not giving into this programmed, dry, lacking the spirit of God. We need a place that opens its arms to anybody and says, come on in. God loves you the way you are. But don't be surprised when you get changed by walking in here because the Holy Spirit comes and grace is not something we just throw around. Grace is something that comes and transforms us from the inside out. Whew, man. is God good? Praise you, Holy Spirit. Praise you, Holy Ghost. We invite you in this place, Lord. Convict us of sin. Make us hungry for more of you. What I'd like to challenge you to do, this last last thought I have, is to live life and walk in this life being cognizant of the dove. Dove. I heard one minister, he was talking about John the Baptist. And when John the Baptist baptized Jesus, John the Baptist, he's baptizing everybody, right? He's dunking them. And when he baptized Jesus, he noticed something different. First of all, he noticed when Jesus was walking down the one, the Holy Spirit hit him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John knew who he was. But the scripture plainly in one account says, and when Jesus came up out of the water, John testified about him that the dove of the Holy Spirit came and sat on him and remained. All throughout the Old Testament, the the Holy Spirit would come and empower and lift off. Come and, and empower and lift off. And he couldn't stay because our hearts wasn't pure when jesus came up out of the water the holy spirit came and remained and if we're going to honor the holy spirit in our churches and honor the holy spirit in our lives i think it does the scripture just fine to imagine the dove on your shoulder and everything you do in life you do it cognizant look i don't want the dove to leave me i don't want the dove to lift off me As a pastor, crowds can come and go. Uh, Fads can come and go. But one thing I want in the church, the Holy Spirit to come and remain in this place. I don't want to text anything that will make him lift off. I don't want to look at anything that will grieve the Holy Spirit. I don't want to say anything that will grieve him. Holy Spirit, remain on my life. Be God in this church. Don't let us program you out. But Lord, come in here and do your thing. Let's do church with the Holy Spirit in mind. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Lord, in Jesus' name. I feel you in this place, Lord, and I ask. I call out the lukewarm person, Lord, who has just gotten in a routine of doing church. Call them to a higher place for them to hunger and thirst after you until they are filled with power from on high. Call to the mom and dad who's just going through life without praying the holiness and sanctity in their home and praying for the Holy Ghost to visit in their house. Speak to every young person, every student. The world is trying to conform them, pressure them to change the way they think change the way they believe. I pray a boldness makes them like a pillar of iron in their soul, knowing in whom they have believed. Trusting that he is able to keep that which he is, they have entrusted to him. Lord, I just pray for hungry people. I pray for a revival in this community. I pray people from every demographic Hispanic people, black people, white people, young people, old people, divorced people, single people, widowed people, let people come into this house and experience the hope of Jesus because the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, that's my prayer for this church. It's the prayer for my church. Do your thing, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus name as these guys sing I don't know maybe you want to pray and say God I'm going to seek you more maybe you want to repent maybe you want to say God I'm praying for my family but as they sing if you want to pray come on down and pray if not we'll close out and worship together God bless you